Good morning. This, oh no, I messed it up. Okay, it's 12.05. Good afternoon. Okay. Um, so here this afternoon, um, I get the joy to preach to you all and to walk through Psalm 127. And so before I dive in, though, I would just love to take a minute to speak directly to parents and students. Um, parents and students, it is a joy for myself and Erica, our summer interns, our D group leaders, to have the opportunity to walk alongside of you, to, for students to point you towards the Lord, to point you towards Jesus, and that he is your only hope um, for you to be able to plead with God. God, like, make yourself known to me. I, I need to know you. I want to know you. Um, that's, our, that's our heart and that's our longing is to help build devoted followers of Jesus Christ through our student ministry. And so it's a joy to get to do that. Parents, thank you for trusting your students to us. Um, and if you're a student who's new, uh, if you're going into fifth, sixth, or sorry, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, we're going to be launching the fall semester this following Sunday. We'd love for you to, to dive in for our middle school ministry, high schoolers as well. Like if you're new to Liberty or if you just never plugged in, this is the time to dive in. And so tonight we're going to have a celebration of the summer. It'd be a great time to come for both middle school and high school. And then high school, we also launch on the following Sunday. And so we'd love for you to come join us and to, to be a part of God moving within this congregation with our students. Um, and then uh, for parents, yeah, just thank you guys for entrusting your kids to us. And then if you're a college student, um, which this is probably your service because it's the latest one, um, glad you're here. Uh, on the 24th of August, Wednesday the 24th, we're going to launch our college ministry. And Erica Thomason, our assistant youth pastor, she is going to be overseeing our college ministry. And she's done a great job this summer. And we look forward to having her lead that ministry as we launch on the 24th. So we'd invite you to come. It's from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And my wife and I are going to host that in our house. So we'd love for you to be there at college ministry. So with that said, um, it's a joy to be able to lead those different ministries and serve in those different capacities. It's also a joy to be here on Sunday and to get to teach. This is my first time of teaching on a Sunday morning, um, which makes me immediately think back to one of my first times of teaching our middle schoolers. And I remember I'd prepared this, uh, this sermon on Exodus that I was ecstatic about. There were some really good points built in, super applicable to the students. Exodus is an amazing book. And so I got up there and I'm like, I'm ready to hit some home runs. And so I just start going and like working through point after point after point. And I'm like, I'm killing this. And as a kid is in the front row, I see him just like literally squirming the entire time. Like he was bored out of his mind. Like literally his mind was going through his body and he was like squirming. And finally, I hit a point that I'm like, I think, I think this resonated with him. And he looks, looks me in the eyes, and we like lock eyes for a minute. And from there, he just gives me the, cut it. Oh, I can't take it anymore. Stop the torture. And so anyway, hopefully this morning goes a lot better than that. Uh, I think it will. Um, so uh, from here, what I'll do, I'll read through um, Psalm 127. From there, we'll, we'll kind of frame what we'll be discussing. I'll pray for us, and then we'll hop in and, and dive through it. So let me read. If you have a Bible on you, go ahead and open up to Psalm 127, and we'll get the opportunity to unpack this today and see how it is very much relevant to our lives here and now. So Psalm 127, it's a song of ascent um, of Solomon. So Solomon wrote this psalm. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. 
Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so this morning we get to unpack what it looks like in our building of our lives to build them for God's kingdom and for his glory. And so I want us to start out just thinking about the fact that we are all building within our lives. Some of us uh, students, you're building your GPA in order to get into college. Some of you students are trying to rebuild your GPA to get into college. Um, Some of you are trying to build your Roth IRA so you can retire and not have to worry about that. Um, Others of you are trying to build your own small business and from the ground up make a product and sell a service that um, is marketable and that you're trying to grow that that small business. Some of you are trying to build a wardrobe and are freaking out for some of our high schoolers or what in the world am I going to wear the first day of school because everyone will remember that. Um, We're all building something in our lives. We're all in the process of building Some of us are building a reputation. Some of us are building friendships. Some of you are trying to start and build your family and grow and expand your family. We're all trying to build something in our lives. And in the midst of all this building, we often run into extreme anxiety. We have so many balls in the air. We have so many things going on in our lives that it makes us anxious. Fathers, I know for many of you, you run into this issue of, I'm trying to be a loving husband, I'm trying to be a man who loves the Lord and lives with integrity. I'm trying to be a man who loves my children well and leads them and teaches them the word of God and instructs them in what it looks like to follow God. Um, And you're also trying to balance work and crushing pressures at work. And we feel like we have so much going on. How in the world am I ever going to be able to produce the results that I want to in my life? How am I ever going to stand firm and, and be able to see fruit come from all that's going on? And we feel this like crushing weight. We also feel this crushing weight of deadlines that happens where I know for myself, every Sunday when I get to lead and talk to students, that's like this wave that's coming that I study and work and work so hard to prepare for. And then it hits me and kind of knocks me down off my feet. And Monday I'm like sort of walking around like a zombie as I get back on my feet. And then I know that wave's about to hit me again. We know like deadlines are coming in our lives And at times, it leads to just this anxiety of how in the world am I ever going to get everything done in the midst of what's going on? And it leads to anxiety and fear and this pressure that's always upon us. Um, In different seasons of our lives, we feel that in different ways. In different seasons of our lives, we feel that weight of school coming or of all of these different activities about to set in or this deadline or this sales project that's coming. And we feel that in different ways. And so... This morning, what I want us to see with our psalm um, is that within the midst of all that we have going on, within the building of our lives, we are not to be anxious. Um, It's a beautiful thing that this psalm actually tells us that in the midst of our building, we are not to eat the bread of anxious toil. We are to live free from anxiety in the midst of all that we have going on. And from there, basically, to, to make this point clear, we're going to have two subpoints that are under it. So um, within our building, we are not to eat the bread of anxious toil. And so the two subpoints that are going to make up that, that main theme of this morning's message is that God is ultimately the producer of success. We'll talk about that. We'll unpack that. And then the second part that allows for us not to eat the bread of anxious toil is that rest itself is a good gift given by God. 
I'm ecstatic to get to talk to you about rest, and specifically this psalm talks about sleep. This is not the time to make that application to sleep during my message, students especially. Um, but like this morning, we get to talk about that rest itself is a good gift. It's a good gift that we get to delight in that's given by the Lord, and we are only able to rest because God is ultimately the producer of success. That's not upon us is where we're going to go. So let me pray for us, and we'll dive on in. Um, Father God, we are a people that are busy God, we are a people that is laboring and striving. Um, God, help us to know the point. Help us to know the purpose of our work. Um, God, help us to also rightfully understand that, God, you are the only producer of success in our lives. You are the only producer of fruit in our lives. And to trust you with that changes everything. So, God, this morning as I prepare to teach, um, Lord, we need your spirit We need your spirit to draw near and to help us to believe that truth. God, we need your spirit to help us to rest in what you've done for us and in who you are, and God, for that to transform our lives. And so we ask all of this in your son's most precious name. Amen. So as we dive in, our first point is that God is the ultimate producer and provider of success in our lives, of fruit in our lives. And what I mean by this, there's a couple different scholars that help us to understand what this theological truth means. Um, D.A. Carson, he puts it this way. He says, in every sphere of life, only the blessing and provision of God can bring about a successful outcome. As Jonathan Edwards, he explains it. He says, the success of all of our undertakings entirely depends upon God's blessing. And I think this morning, or this afternoon, uh, as we hear that, we, we realize and we say, yeah, amen to that. That's true. But I think functionally, we don't believe that. Functionally, we don't apply that in our lives. Functionally, that doesn't still our anxieties. Um, we aren't actually believing this truth that only God can bring upon blessing in our life. Only he can bring upon fruit in our lives. We functionally don't trust that, and therefore, we are anxious. And so I want us to, to first just dive into that, that idea that God himself is the only one who can build success in our lives. And we see this early on in scripture. We see people in Genesis start to rebel against God. We see them, um, if you remember the story of the Tower of Babel, they begin to, to believe we don't need this God. We can find God on our own. And so we can unite together as people and build this tower. And we see God early on saying, no, like, Only I can build. Only I can actually bring about the worthwhile building of of your lives and of lives as a society. And so God actually destroys the Tower of Babel just easily and just confuses the people and only leads them further away from God. God is the ultimate decider of what is vain and what is not, what produces fruit. And so we see that within Scripture, and it's a theme that actually happens within Scripture. Psalm 115 explains it this way. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. God can frustrate our plans, and God can prosper our plans. Um, God is the ultimate provider of fruit within our lives. And so that is a key theme that, that will actually inform what we say throughout this. And so when we see this psalm, when it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And when it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The psalmist is serious that apart from God, our labor is truly vain. And if we're going to unpack what that means to build the house, um, there's a few different meanings that the, the text is getting at. It's saying that, yes, it's 
tangibly about building a house. Apart from God, the building of your house will be in vain apart from God. It may not ever get completed, or it may be completed, but it may be a home of tragedy. Um, It is possible to build a house and to have it in vain. The other meanings of to build a house is also to build a household, to build your family, to build um, the community around you. Um, That can also be built in vain. The scripture is very clear, like, apart from the Lord, your household can be in vain. It also can be our church, this church, apart from the Lord building it, is built in vain. Apart from him blessing and ordaining and bringing fruit, there's nothing we can do as a church. We've built this church in vain and the universal church as well. Um, We we have assurances that that's not the case, but we know that within our lives, like if we build apart from God, it will be built in vain. And then when it comes to watching over the city, this entails multiple different things. This actually is specifically talking about the vigilant watching and protecting of a city it also can entail as well the vigilant watching and protecting of your family, of the house that you are building. It can also um, entail the physical watching and protecting of your own life and of your own soul. Um, all of that is there within this text of saying, unless the Lord builds the house, those who built it labor in vain, and unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. All of that is contained within this text. And so, what I want us to do for a minute here is to think about the fact that this, this statement, that it is in vain, is a very real statement that should in some ways cause our hair to stand up on our arms and cause us to really think and look at our own lives. And so I want to unpack what he's getting at when he's saying, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. And there's one way that that happens is not knowing who God is, not building for God and not building for his purposes. When you don't know that, it is a situation where we are building our lives in vain. And so to help illustrate this, I'm going to read a paragraph. I want you guys to pay attention and think as I read this, what is this paragraph about? So you're probably not going to understand it right away, but think, see if you can understand what it's about. Here, here's the paragraph. It says, a newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is a better place than the street. At first, it is far better to run than to walk. You may have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it is easy to learn. Even young children can enjoy it. Once successful, complications are minimal. Birds seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. Too many people doing the same thing can also cause problems. One needs lots of room. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor. If things break loose from it, however, you will not get a second chance. Was that confusing? Did that not make any sense to you guys? Okay, I'm sure it didn't. And the reason is, is that that is a paragraph without a subject. That is a paragraph where you don't know what it's about. You, as you hear it being read, you don't know what I'm actually talking about. But I'll, I'll invite you in. It's actually about a kite. It's about flying a kite. Let me reread it. It's, a newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is a better place than the street. At first, it is better to run than to walk. You may have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it is easy to learn. Even young children can enjoy it. Once successful, complications are minimal. Birds seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. Too many people doing the same thing can also cause problems. One needs lots of room. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor. 
If things break loose from it, however, you will not get a second chance. And so what I want us to think about is this statement that unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain, there are those who are currently building their homes, they're building their households, they're building their lives apart from the kite apart from the subject, apart from the point and purpose, and that is to glorify God, to give him glory with your life, through your family, through your job, through the time that you spend in the word, through your prayers, through everything you do in your life. It should be built towards the point and the purpose of giving glory to Jesus Christ. Apart from that, you're living a life without a kite. You're living a life without a purpose and without a point. And what the psalmist is saying is, that is living a life in vain. And so we need to take that warning to heart that we need to know the point and the purpose of our lives and the reason for all that we build and all that we do is for God and for his glory. And only then does this life truly make sense. Only then does uh, we, do we understand the kite and the point and the purpose and do we have the reason for why we live. And so if you don't know Jesus, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad we have a time to like talk and to dive into God's word. And we're glad you're here at LCF. And we want to help you to try to understand who he is and what he's done for you and how his work on the cross changes everything in your life. But if you're also here this morning and you do know Christ, you are a Christian, you follow him in your life, I think this warning of vanity is also very much applicable to you and I. Um, it's applicable in that we are prone to forget We are prone to slide and to allow for the busyness of our life, the craziness of what's going on in our schedule and what uh, we have coming up and all of the responsibilities that are going on to allow for us to forget that Jesus is the kite, to allow for ourselves to drift and to stray from the truth that we know but at times forget and don't believe. And so to help help us kind of picture that, think about the Olympics, think about the team that was trying to compete from Russia, the Russia, Russian track and field team, they labored and they, like, they just poured out their entire lives for years competing in order to compete in the Olympics. They, this blows my mind, they ate healthily for like the last four years. My wife and I tried to do that for a week and by the end of that week, I hate chicken breasts and I hate eggs and I hate avocados. Um, <laughs> Like these people literally ate and they woke up every day and did um, workouts that I can't even fathom, let alone try to do, um, for years of their life. And before they competed, they found out, hey, you, you guys actually didn't pay attention. You weren't following the rules and you competed in vain. You trained in vain and you won't be allowed to compete. And so think about this morning, like whether you aren't a believer and you don't know the kite or you are a believer, you know Jesus, you follow him in your life, but... Maybe you're at this point where you're straying and not paying attention to what you're building and how you're building and why you're building. This psalm serves as a reminder that we have to focus on the kite. We have to focus on the end of why we are living and why we're building. So from here, with that as a understanding of the vanity of that and and ultimately the purpose of building, I want us to think about the fact that um, this psalm has some beautiful intricacies that are built within it. And one of the intricacies that, as I've prayed through this text, as I've thought through it, that I think we need to talk about is what is the difference between our role and what is built and in our role in how God works within our lives and how God is ultimately the blesser of our lives. 
And so I think within Christian culture, there can be this kind of wrong, there can be this kind of superficially spiritual understanding that, um, that well, if God's the ultimate blesser of what happens in life, that I don't actually have to work at anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to labor and strive. I don't have to worry about it because God's going to ultimately bless it, and so I don't have to do anything. And that wrong assumption, I would, I would deem in my very academic mind as the Jesus-take-the-wheel syndrome, uh, where we say, Jesus, take the wheel of my life. I'm not going to do anything. You have the control, and I have no need to drive. And the reality is, no, this psalm is saying, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. We are called, as if you are a believer, to build well to build in your life, to labor hard, to work hard. And so for students, that means when you're at school, God actually very much cares that you work extremely hard, that you pay attention in class, that you study, that you um, prepare for papers and tests, turn them in on time. Like God desires and calls us to be people who are an industrious people, who work extremely hard. For those in the the business world or in the, um, the, the working world, you are called to work hard, to work with excellence, to strive, to complete things on time, and to do your absolute best in all of the capacities of life. Just because the Bible says that God is the ultimate blesser of what we do in our lives, that doesn't mean that he doesn't call us to, to work. Proverbs says that we prepare the chariots, that we prepare the chariots for battle, but it's the Lord who actually wins the battle. And the same is true for our lives. Like We are to work hard, to prepare, to do everything we possibly can and strive for excellence in our work and in our families and in a school and whatever area of life you're in, if you're a stay-at-home mom or uh, wherever you are, Like you are called to work hard and to strive with excellence. And as a little tangent on that tangent, if you are someone here who maybe you don't struggle with um, anxiety, maybe you don't struggle with this like busyness that I'm talking about, Maybe there could be some in this room, too, who you don't need to hear, don't, don't be anxious. You need to hear, work hard. Maybe there are some in this room who are currently confusing this idea of rest with sloth, that, that you aren't actually living and pursuing excellence in any of the spheres of your life. You aren't busy because you aren't laboring for God's kingdom and for his glory. You've lost track of the point. So maybe that's the, the message for some, some in this room, too, is, to work hard, to labor after God's kingdom and, and to keep in mind the kite, to keep in mind the point and purpose of our lives is to bring God glory through every avenue that we are in. So from here, now that we've kind of understood this, this idea of we are called to work hard, we also know that God blesses our work, that we cannot produce fruit apart from him. We cannot produce um, like the desired outcome, success, and transformation. For me, it's seeing transformation in kids' lives. There's no way I can do that apart from God actually doing that work. And so I want us to kind of see how do these two things fit together and what does it look like in our lives to apply this tangibly where we not only mentally believe this and assent to this, but tangibly apply this to our lives. And one of the best illustrations I can come up with actually happened last night. As I prepared this sermon on anxiety and fear, how we allow for these crushing pressures and all the stuff that we have going on in our lives to lead us to be anxious, despite the fact that it's not up to us, despite the fact that God is the one who ultimately blesses it, as I was preparing that message last night and looking over it, 
I was filled with this feeling of, oh my goodness, I have insane anxiety. I was thinking about the fact that I was like, what if I get up here and start speaking today and everyone, like literally I look out and you're all sleeping. Uh, what happens if I get up here today and like I see the cut it sign from like 17 people in the audience and you guys are dying on me and from there you're like checking your bulletin to see if I'm going to preach the next week and then you're leaving. Like legitimately, I became fearful of all of that and starting to be like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to transition between this. And in that moment, it was beautiful to see how the truth that I'm speaking to you today, I was able to pray over my life and to pray, God, I know that as I have prepared, as I've studied, I've studied diligently and I've worked hard at this and I'm excited about this topic. God, I know it is you who produces the fruit. It is you who transforms people's lives. Like, help me to believe that. And the funny thing is, after I got done praying, I didn't feel better. Like, I didn't, the anxiety didn't go away. Um, And so I was sitting there, I was like praying over and over. And from there, I came to my wife and I explained to her, like, honey, this is, this is what's happening right now. Like, here's how I feel. I know this isn't true. And last night at like 11.30, we had this beautiful moment of intimacy where she got to pray over me and pray this truth that I'm teaching you today that sets us free from anxiety and worry so that we can ultimately rest. And so if you're anything like me, we struggle to apply the truth that we know, this truth that's inside of our head, and to make it actually flush out in the way that we live. And so just to kind of like tie up some thoughts for you guys, parents that are in the room, there is such a pressure, such a burden when you love this little child who sits next to you, who then goes through this crazy phase where they become a teenager. Um, There is this pressure to understand how do I love them? How do I serve them? How do I point them towards Jesus and see them be someone who follows him and gives their life to him? There's this overwhelming burden that I know you all feel of knowing like, God, I want this child to not only just make good choices, but I want them to love you and cherish you. And that can be crushing if you think that's up to you. If you think that their salvation and that their following of Jesus Christ is solely upon you and not upon God's blessing, that is crushing. So in those moments of anxiety, remind yourself that, yes, you've labored, yes, you've, stro- you've like absolutely put in work for them to know the Lord, but that's not ultimately up to you. You've also fallen short as well in many areas, just like I fall short in my job, just like I fall short as being a pastor at times. Like There's many times where in the midst of preaching the gospel to ourselves that, um, or preaching, not the gospel, but preaching the truth that God is ultimately in control, we have to remind ourselves of the gospel as well. That Christ himself, he paid the penalty for the times that we fall short of actually striving, striving and laboring with excellence and obeying his law. That just because we have not obeyed perfectly does not mean that we ourselves are condemned. Christ himself did the work to allow for us to be forgiven, even for the fact that we fall so far short of what he's called us to. And so the sum total of that is that you can rest in the fact that, yes, you will fall short in life, God knows that. You will sin. You will not perfectly obey him. But that's forgiven on the cross. And you also can trust the fact that the outcome of all that you do, that is up to God to bless that. And when we know this, when we preach this to ourselves, when we believe that, it allows for us to go into the second point of this message. We're able to rest. We're able to rest. And rest itself 
It is a gift that is given by God. It is a good gift that we are to be able to delight in. And so much of our anxiety is because we don't believe, we don't apply the truth of the gospel and the truth that God ultimately is who blesses the things that we do. And he is in charge of the fruit. And so just as a country, I just want to start here when we talk about rest. As a country, we're bad at resting. We are really bad at resting. Um, One pastor explains it this way, and he says, by all accounts, we are sleeping less than ever before. The average American gets two and a half hours fewer of sleep per night than a century ago. According to the CDC, more than 40 million Americans get fewer than six hours of sleep per night. Though we often brag about how little sleep we get, studies show sleep deprivation is a trigger for problems like diabetes and obesity. In today's world, with no environmental cues to force us to bed and plenty of gadgets to keep us away, we awake, we simply aren't getting the sleep we need. So I want you to think about God has given us this gift of sleep. He's given us the ability to rest in the fact that he is in charge. He is the one producing fruit, and he ultimately has paid the penalty so that we can have access to him. That allows for us to rest. That allows for us to sleep. And we are actually, in many ways, being disobedient to God, not delighting in the gifts that he's given us when we think that this life and all that we do is up to us when we can't rest, when we have to burn both ends of the candle, where we stay up till midnight one night in order to finish a project, and then we wake up at 5 a.m. to practice it the next day and to be ready to go, like, that is actually distrusting God with your rest. That's distrusting him that even while you are asleep, our God is not asleep. He never sleeps. Psalm 121, uh, 3 to 4 says, the God who watches over his people will not slumber, He will neither slumber nor sleep. We can rest because God himself doesn't rest. God is always vigilant. He is always watching. He is always caring for us. And that truth sets us free to be able to rest. And so this morning as I wrap up and as I invite Brian um, back up to sing one last song, um, I just want to pray over us. I want us to pray that we can understand the truth that because God is ultimately in charge of the fruit of our lives, that enables us to rest. We don't need to eat the bread of anxious toil. We don't need to think that we, it's up to us and we must do everything in our lives to produce the results that we want to. It frees us in all of the different areas of our lives in order to follow God, in order to know that he is the kite, he is the point, he is the purpose of our lives, and that our lives should be centered on him. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in and do one last song. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a time to open your word and to see how it is so incredibly relevant to us. God, in the midst of this room, I know that we have people who are in all different stages of life. Um, Some in this room are in places of deep anxiety and deep fear. Um, God, I pray that your spirit draws near to them in this moment. God, that they are able to be honest about what's going on. And in some ways, they're um, distrust of you. Um, God, help us do what mere words can never do. And that is to help us to believe the truth that, God, ultimately you are the one who blesses the work that we do. And God, that the fruit is not up to us. Help us to believe that. Help us to know that. Help us to be people who are freed from anxiety based upon what you have done for us. Um, God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.